Who leads the church? That's what we're going to think about today on this episode of Thinking About It. I'm Bob McGregor. And I'm Stan Fowler. Stan, who leads the church? Is it the pastor? Is it Jesus? Is it um, the church boss? Is it uh, a committee? Is it the elders? Is it like we're Baptists? And I've always been told that Baptists are congregational. But I've also been told that Baptist churches have pastors who have something to do with leadership. And so what's the balance uh, in the local church in making decisions? To what extent are members invited to weigh in on decisions? I know some churches, the members make no decisions. Some churches don't even have membership. But ones that do... Um, will forfeit all decision-making to a body. Sometimes it's one man. It's the pastor, God forbid. It's been known to happen. Sometimes it's a team of elders. And uh, we're, we're somewhere on that, uh, that spectrum. But what are, let's, let's talk about this. Uh, who, who speaks for the church or who leads the church? How are decisions made in a, in a New Testament church? I think it's a, this is a really significant and practical question. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's one that I, I, I talk about every year in teaching theology of church and ministry. And, and I argue that there, there is a kind of balance. I mean, when you look at the New Testament church, on, on the one hand, you, you do get the people as a whole, the congregation as a whole, invited to to make some decisions. I think of Acts 6, for example, where the apostles recognize they need help. And, and, and they, so the, they, they appoint seven men. But the way they do it is they say to the whole church, um, look, at, look among you and find seven men full of the spirit and wisdom whom we may appoint to this task. So there you have the whole Jerusalem church somehow, I don't know how, mm-hmm. thousands of members, frankly, but you have the whole church invited to look for seven men who, who fit the criteria for this ministry. And then the apostles say, and then we will appoint them to that. Now that, that shows us that yeah. when it says the apostles appoint, that doesn't, that doesn't mean the apostles without input. From, from the church. So a point does not necessarily mean a point unilaterally without input. So the whole church is, is invited to participate mm-hmm. in, in recognizing uh, the suitable people for that appointment. And yet, and yet we have other places where the elders or overseers of the church are described as those who rule or govern or give significant leadership. You have Hebrews 13 that exhorts the people of God to, to obey their leaders who have spoken the word of God to them and have set an example, which is what pastors, elders are called to do. Mm-hmm. Lead by example and by applying the word of God to the life of the church. So when the people are exhorted to submit to them, to obey them, obviously there's a sense in which when the people of God as a whole have said, these are people who ought to take leadership, there, there is an appropriate 
decision-making that happens among the leaders. All right. So we have members. We're, we're a Fellowship Baptist Church. And by the way, I'm really happy the way things work here. So just a little bit of disclaimer, what I'm about to say. Right. We're not mean, pushing back on who we are. Right. Uh, so elders at this church will come with a unanimous initiative. We'll bring it to our members because that's our tradition. And we invite our members all of our members, doesn't matter how mature they are, doesn't matter if they were saved and baptized the week before, they're asked to vote. Not only are they asked to vote, but they're, they're invited to discuss and to contribute and to dissent. And so you've got this invitation uh, for novices to weigh in on ostensibly a decision that the elders have made and are bringing to the church. And I've often... I mean, it's for some reason, it, it's working for us because there's a high level of respect. But in theory, um, you, you're open, opening up your church to uh, a democracy where the, there might be a contingent in the church that aren't really qualified to contradict or, or disagree with a, an elder's initiative. And I, and I wonder about that. Well, that, and that's why I think there, in biblical terms, there needs to be a balance. And, and there are many decisions that are rightly left to the elders to make. Um, in particular, I, I, would, I would argue from experience, decisions that, that revolve around preferences. Because if you put something to a, a vote of all the members, a formal vote, that's, that's different from, say, a town hall where you solicit input. If you put it to a vote, on an issue like that, you're actually asking people to express preference, which may not be the ideal to serve the common good. I, I, I can think of um, an experience of mine in my, my pastoral ministry in Toronto. The leaders, they were called deacons and I was called pastor. We weren't all called elders at that point, but functionally, that's what we were. The, the leader said, you know, for a variety of reasons, we felt it would be beneficial to uh, reorder our Sunday morning experience. So instead of having Sunday school at 9.45 and worship service at 11, just like everyone seemed to think the New Testament taught, mm-hmm. we said, you know, we'd like to get, especially we'd like to get the adults involved more seriously in education. So let's have our worship service first at 10 o'clock. And so the people will be here. And then if we... If we have the classes afterward, we'll get more of the adults involved. And so, and so we, we, we said to the church, that's what we're going to do for a while. Then we solicited input, not a vote, but input, after about three months. And then we, we continued it for a while, and we had more input. So we had to decide, do we go forward with the new way of doing it or go back to the old? I think it's fair to say all of the elders, let's call them, preferred the newer way of doing it. But there was a sizable minority in the church who in the, in the, the input we solicited were just, I don't know, offended by that somehow. They, they really didn't like it. And so in the end, the elders said, you know, we think we've achieved something by getting a lot more of the adults involved in that educational ministry. And we think we'll be able to retain much of them 
much of that, uh, that benefit. So in spite of the fact that we prefer the new way of doing it, the elders decided we'll go back to the old way because we've achieved much of what we wanted to achieve. And the order is not the, the point. The point is getting people involved in both worship and education ministry. So the elders made a decision that was not their preference, but they were thinking what's best for this church in this time and place. That's the kind of decision I think a, a group of godly leaders can make to serve the common good which would not be made as well. If you only have a congregational vote on that, you may get, okay, we get a simple majority in favor mm-hmm. of, of a change, but that may not actually serve the common good. Yeah. Uh, what would you say the posture should be um, in a church congregational vote? When you're, you're honestly asking people, not just to rubber stamp something, but you say vote. What, what, what do you think? Are you, are you in favor of this? And so you've got a member who says, well, I love the elders, I respect the elders, but they've asked for my opinion, and I just don't think it's a good thing. It's not, we, we can't afford it or whatever. And so they vote against it. What, what's their posture there? Is that, have we put them in a difficult position? Is there, is there a better way of doing that? Can we... Is that okay to live with a, a 10% who vote against something and just hope that they'll support whatever the church as a whole decides? Yeah, it's a challenge, isn't it? Hopefully we can engage those people in conversation in a way that helps us understand whether they're voting no as a way of saying, I absolutely cannot support this, or whether they're voting no as a way of saying, I honestly don't think it's the right choice now, but I could be wrong and I, and I can live with that decision to, to go that route. It's, it's a little like asking, let's say if, you have a, if you're having a member's vote on extending a pastoral call to a particular man. Um, some people may, may say, I'm not convinced he's the right one but I'm not leaving if he becomes the pastor. I'm prepared to give him a chance. Mm-hmm. I, I, you know, maybe, maybe he is the right one. I still remember when, when I was called to Runnymede Church in Toronto 43 years ago, um, it, it was a good solid vote, but there were some negative votes. A little, probably a little less than a year after I came, I remember my wife and I were having dinner with one older couple. Mm-hmm. And the, and the woman said to me, you know, I was one of those who voted no because you were, <laughs> you were 31 years old, coming from outside Canada. Mm. Um, I just wasn't sure that you were ready to, to step into this situation and this established church with its history. But I... I was prepared to give you the chance, and, and you've done well. You've demonstrated good judgment. I think it's wonderful that you're our pastor. But I was, I was one who voted no. So sometimes a no vote is just like that. It's mm-hmm. like, you know, like I, 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 my conscience tells me I have to say no, mm-hmm. but, but I'm willing to live with the decision. Uh, we, we look at the, the church modeled after a family, right? And let's say a large family, you've got kids and 
teenagers, they're all in there, right? And right. Mom and dad, leaders of the church, dad, I suppose, uh, initiates something, mom gets on board. And especially if you're going to move, you bring it to the table, right? And you have this conversation with the whole family. And I think there's a skill in that. Uh, if if a, a leader can lead his home in such a way as to not rule by law, this is what we're doing, come hell or high water, get on board. But if he knows how to get a consensus and lead his family and the children, they respect him. I think that's the kind of skill that a pastor who's in the fatherly role of a church, the elders share that role. They bring the family of God together and they listen and they appeal and they use the scripture. And I believe that it's in that context that God allows the church to say it, it seemed good to us, seemed good to the Holy Spirit. This is just, it feels sensible. And they move forward, uh, having been brought into the whole conversation. There may be some in that context who say, no, I'm not part of this. I'm, I'm a dissenter. I know one guy in a church who said Baptists should never have unanimity. I'm, I'm always going to vote against something. <laughs> but he never left, right? Sanctified obstructionist. That's, that's what it was. But I just think that the family model is very instructive for us at the church. Yeah, indeed it is. And I mean, when you when you raise the family model, brings back memories of that day a long time back when I said to our family at dinner, God is doing something to bring together two schools here, and it's going to mean that we leave Toronto. Mm. To which my sons said initially, are you out of your mind? Kitchener is Hicksville. It's a village. What could you possibly do there? And um, But we had to work it through. Yeah. And, and indeed, in that case, I, I mean, our oldest son, uh, said, uh, I mean, I'm just, I mean, it's not comfortable, but he was 20 years old. And, and we said, well, you know, okay, maybe it's, it's, it's time, yeah. time for you to, to, to right. move out on your own mm-hmm. and, and, or somebody else, a roommate, a housemate, but, but okay, maybe you won't be going with us. Maybe it's, maybe it's time for that. Right. So we all, we worked mm-hmm. it out and, and yep. made it work, but but it's an ongoing dialogue, and that's crucial for church leaders to remember. All right. So just in conclusion, people will often say, are you congregationally led or elder-led? I think we would say we're elder-led, but in some sense congregationally governed. And, and the two can go together. It's a balance. It's a balance that has to be maintained but I think I think we have a positive experience of maintaining it, mm-hmm. and other churches as well. Amen. And it is it it does work, and it's a pleasure. And God is able to do amazing things through a church family that is united and supportive of one another, and and loving and deferring. Uh, we don't need to get corporate. Uh, it this it's a bit messy, but it works. Right. So uh, just, Stan, thanks for sharing that. Uh, That's all the time we have left. Until next time, I'm Bob McGregor. I'm Stan Fowler. Thanks for joining us. Keep on thinking.